My name is John Shepherd. I'm working with Heineken to create a series of podcasts with independent experts exploring the current issues facing the hospitality industry. We've also taken questions from operators via the Pub Collective website and we'll be incorporating those into our discussion. Today we're talking about the legal technicalities around the furlough process as well as some key details around government funding, loans and grants. We're talking today to Vandenar Das, the Managing Director of Davenport Solicitors, who specialises in HR and employment law across a range of sectors, including the hospitality industry. Vandenar regularly presents seminars on the key issues of businesses and has also been an employment law lecturer. Welcome, Vandenar. After that long introduction, uh, could you start off just by uh, providing for us some clarity or, or some updates on the recently announced changes to the furlough system from July? Yes, so the coronavirus job retention scheme was originally due to end at the at the end of June 2020, but it has been extended until the end of October 2020. There are likely to be two phases. The first phase is until the end of July 2020, whereby there wouldn't be actually any major changes. So um, you, you, employees will continue to receive 80% of their salary um, subject to the cap, to the um, £2,500 cap. The second phase is from the 1st of August 2020 to the 31st of October 2020, whereby there's going to be some flexibility. So employees will still continue to receive the, the cap of 2500 or the 80% of their regular salary, whichever is the lowest, but the employer will need to share the burden of that salary with the government. It's not yet known what the percentage of contribution from the employer is going to be, um, but we are due to receive some indication and update towards the end of May 2020, whereby there will be some clarity on that. Saying that, business owners have welcomed this decision of the extension of the furlough period because it does give businesses an opportunity to look at how they're going to bring back their staff on a gradual basis. One question we've had in um, was about the ability to move staff in and out of furlough on a rotor basis? Is that something that the employers can do? Absolutely. The employers can rotate their staff as long as their staff are on furlough leave for a period of three weeks. So if they wanted to, they could bring them, they could put them on furlough leave for a period of three weeks, bring them back and then put them again on furlough leave. Alternatively, they can basically put one employee on furlough leave for a three-week period and then put another employee, bring them back and then put uh, put another employee on furlough leave. So we've actually had a question on that three weeks issue. Um, the, the minimum was three weeks, but does it have to be for three weeks spells or is it anything over three weeks? And also, if they bring someone back and they need to furlough them again, has that got to be again for a minimum of three weeks? So it does have to be a minimum of three weeks, but it can be above the three weeks. So if you wanted to furlough somebody from July to June to July, you can you can do that for a whole month. The key issue here is that it has to be for a three week period. And as I mentioned already, you can you can put someone on furlough and then bring them back and then put them back on furlough as well. 
Moving on, but obviously still saying, staying within the furlough scheme, um, someone has asked how they should be communicating with staff while they're on furlough. So in terms of communication, it's very easy to forget about the about your employees who have been furloughed because business owners do generally end up focusing on their business naturally. Um, but it is important to make sure that they find out what the best way of communication is for their employees. For example, do they have, you could easily communicate with them via phone, WhatsApp, Zoom, WebEx, and even FaceTime would, would do, but it's important to find out what the best method of communication is. And when employers do speak to their employees, talk to them about their well-being, their health, Talk to them about any updates that you can share in terms of them returning back to work or in terms of the business in general. Try not to talk to them about something which may suggest that they are working, although regular emails, say on a weekly basis, would be sufficient and it would be fine to do that. And following on, I guess, from that, um, the working element there, someone's asked whether their staff are allowed to take part in training or even volunteering or alternative work while on furlough. And if so, can the employer help facilitate that? They can volunteer as long as it doesn't generate ever any revenue for their, uh, for their employer. In terms of training, they can do some online training employees can do some online training as long as they're paid the national living wage or the national minimum wage and uh, in terms of uh, so it was training volunteering and well alternative work is how they've defined it. so i guess that's that's work that isn't part of their normal job yeah so they might be referring to a second job and in, if that is the case then they ought to look at the employment contract to see whether or not there is any exclusivity clauses to prevent them from working for perhaps another employer in competition with their employer but it will, will always be sensible to seek the approval um, from approval from the employer to allow them to work so there's no concerns or issues afterwards and um, when recent government announcements, uh, as we discussed in the, your first sort of explanation of the current situation, it's been extended to October with an emphasis on employers supporting the cost of salaries from August. And uh, Someone has asked what happens if they're not in a position to do that? If they're, if they're not in a position to do that, it would really be a question of whether or not it's going to be a fair dismissal. So, as, as, as you rightly pointed out, from the 1st of, from 1st of August to the end of October, there is going to be a, a requirement for employers to contribute to the employee salaries. Now, if employers are not able to do that, then they may need to consider looking at making redundancies. And you mentioned uh, in a previous question around well-being and I guess that will come into this in terms of someone asking how to navigate the return to work with staff to ensure they feel safe and secure. Yeah so it is very important to make sure that communication with the staff starts as early as possible and there is guidance uh, 
which ACAS have provided in relation to employees returning back to work. It will be important to discuss when the employee can return back to work, whether or not there's going to be any adjustments. So is there, is there going to be some additional requirements, additional washing, uh, you know, hand washing facilities? Is there going to be a phase return? Is there going to be some changes to their contractual hours to make sure that they don't overcrowd trains, trains and tubes um, and they, they can avoid rush hours? They will also need to look at whether or not they bring back some staff earlier than other members of staff, depending on the requirements of the organisation. And how do they choose those staff? Whatever they do, they need to make sure that the criteria that they, they, they do apply is not discriminatory in any way. They might even have to consider looking at um, do, you know, in, in introducing um, markings on the floor to ensure that employees stay two metres apart. And I guess as part of that safe and secure, um, there's been talk about uh, people being anxious about returning back to work. Are employees obliged to come back off furlough when they are recalled to work? Unless there's, unless they've, you know, if, unless they've actually highlighted any concerns, it's it, it might be a different situation. But if the employer has provided, and coming back to your last question, one of the other things that an employer should do is do a risk assessment, and that should give the employee satisfaction and reassurance that the employer has done all everything correctly, and there are measures in place which which protects their health and safety. But they'd have to have good reasons as to why you know why they're objecting to not come to work. Are able are employers able to make staff redundant whilst they're on furlough? And if so, what is the process and and any suggestions on how employers should approach these conversations? Yes. So in terms of redundancies, it's really going to be a question of when when they wish to make it. If they do wish to make an employee who is on furlough redundant they can do it but what they need to be aware of is how a tribunal will perceive it so for example the fact that the government has introduced a scheme the question will arise as to why they didn't put the employee on furlough leave and they've decided to make them redundant instead however the situation is slightly more different whereby they have to contribute to the to their salaries and they they can't actually financially contribute and then they make the redundancies and that's more likely to be deemed to be a potentially fair reason for redundancy if they do decide to make redundancies then it is important for them to for the employer to be very clear in their communication and follow a fair procedure which includes making an announcement to the affected employees explain to them why why there's a potential risk of redundancies, who is affected. They need to go through a consultation process, which has to be meaningful, so it can't just be a tick box exercise. They do actually have to have meaningful consultation, look at suitable alternative employment, and look at how they could avoid making redundancies. They also need to apply a sphere selection criteria and put and choose, an, choose the employees from a a pool of, of employees which are being selected for redundancy. So is that just, it seems to me that's very similar to the normal redundancy process. It's the same process, it's just obviously different circumstances. 
the same uh, redundancy employment law rules apply so they still need to follow a correct fair procedure when making redundancies there are no shortcuts unfortunately and another question from uh, an operator about um, can staff be forced to take annual leave uh, while they're furloughed um, and then does the employer have to pay the extra 20% to make up the wages to the full amount they would have received if they were on normal annual leave some employers can insist they can insist for their employees to take annual leave but they do have to give the required notice so for instance if an employee em, employer wants their employee to take five days holidays they need to give double the amount of notice for that employee to take their leave and if they are going to ask their employees to take holiday during the period of furlough they do need to top up their salary so they're entitled to 100% of their salary for annual leave. Sticking with the topic of holidays uh, and annual leave we've had another question from an operator um, asking whether Employees accrue full holiday when furloughed or do they only receive 80% of their entitlement? So if furloughed workers do not book any holiday time, their statutory minimum holiday entitlement of 5.6 weeks per year will accrue while they're furloughed. And do zero hours contract staff accrue holiday as well? Yes, it's really important to note that all workers and employees will continue to accrue annual leave during furlough and holiday pay will only be recoverable up to the 80% of the regular salary or £2,500, which is capped. Great. And a final question on uh, furlough. What happens about sick pay during the furlough period? In terms of um, sick leave, um, it's very... And, and during the during furlough period, it very much depends on what the employer wants to do if, if they do want if there is a sick 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 employee whilst they're on furlough leave they can either keep them on furlough and therefore the employee receives the 80 percent or the two and a half thousand or they can move the employee out of furlough and onto the statutory sick pay and if they do that then the uh, furlough leave scheme will cease for that employee, particular employee Okay, and we're now moving just on to the topic of uh, government grants and loans available um, and any advice we can offer here. Um, But just starting to kick that off, what are the government grants and loans available and how do employers know if and which they're eligible for? So we've already spoken about the uh, the coronavirus job retention scheme. There is also a a new scheme that's introduced, which is the um, coronavirus sick pay rebate scheme. Employers may qualify for a rebate for up to two weeks statutory sick pay, and employers can claim a grant under both the furlough scheme and the sick pay rebate scheme for the same employee, but not for the same period of time. The scheme will allow small and medium-sized employers with fewer than 250 employees to apply to HMRC to recover the cost of paying coronavirus-related SSP. And employers will be able to recover or make that claim through a new online system, which, uh, will, be, which, which will be on the 26th of May 2020. And this means that they will receive repayment at the relevant rate of SSP that they have paid to current or former employees for eligible periods of sickness starting from the 13th of March 2020. 
You then also have the self-employed grants, which is, ba which is um, based on 80% of the average profits over the past three years. The maximum payment is £7,500 from March to May. And the scheme will apply to any business that has trading profits of up to £50,000. The grants uh, don't have to be paid back, but you can find out whether you're eligible from, on the HMRC website. You also then have the, uh, the bounce back loans, which, is, uh, which are loans based on 25% of your turnover. And you can apply via your uh, bank, and it's an online uh, it's an on on online application, and you can usually get a decision within a week of making that application. You don't you do have to pay the amount back, but there is no security required um, for the for the loan. Then you have the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme, which I'll refer to as a CBILS scheme. And this you can apply. This scheme uh, is available to businesses, and you have to apply via your bank manager, and they will confirm whether you whether or not you're eligible. Some banks provide a quicker response than others, so it won't. It might not be as quick as the bounce back loans, but the loans will need to be repaid, and there is no security required for loans up to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Okay, that's great. Thanks for uh, outlining all those different routes. Um, generally speaking, is it possible to say how long it might take for payments to come through on any of those uh, processes? So as I mentioned, for the CBILS, it very much depends on the bank. It can, you know, it can be as quick as one week, but it could take longer. It really depends on, on the bank. In terms of the bounce back loans, you can expect a response within a week um, and uh, in terms of the coronavirus job retention scheme it's an online application a HMRC portal and you can re you can get, receive the payment within four to six weeks. Are businesses generally eligible for more than one of the loans or grants? Are they eligible for more than one grant? No they will be only allowed to um, apply for one of the, the the loans which is the either the CBILS or the um, the bounce back loan and, and in terms of the grants it depends on your eligibility whether you fulfill the requirement great and when with the uh, the loans from the banks will security um, be required uh, and does this include personal guarantees so for the bounce back loans um, it, no security is required but for the CBILS no security is required for up to loans of £250,000 and as a final question just to sort of try and give a little bit of an overview here because we've gone into some real detail and there's lots of different issues that operators are facing but could you just give us your opinion on what you think uh, are the major issues the major concerns that operators should be thinking about when it comes to the furlough or connected schemes yes absolutely i think i think what the hospitality industry needs to think about is whether or not they actually have provided agreements, furlough agreements to their staff members. The hospitality sector was one of the first sectors which decided to put their employees on unpaid leave. And uh, as soon as the furlough scheme was announced, they immediately put their employees on furlough. But they didn't, there wasn't enough guidance around it. So some of them had done this without any written agreement. And it is a requirement by the HMRC to have written agreements in place. So it's very important to have written agreements in place. 
and if the employees are coming back or you're extending their furlough leave, then follow it up with either a side letter or a further agreement to confirm the agreement. There, it is important that employees agree to be put on furlough because it is a variation of their employment contract. The other concern is that some organisations may feel that the HMRC are too busy and they won't actually notice whether or not they've done things in the correct way. Bearing in mind the HMRC, after all of this is settled down a bit, when that is we don't know, they will probably look at doing audits and it has been made clear that the HMRC will have the right to audit organisations. So businesses should take that into account and bear that in mind. That's really useful. Lots of detail, lots of good overviews. Thanks very much for your time today, Vandana. Thank you, John.